The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. You've seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready, ready to go. go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special podcast. I always say that every week, but truly this is. We're actually doing this outside. I'm sitting outside, socially distancing, with mask on, so I apologize for slightly muffled sound, plus the sounds that just go on every day around a working shelter. But I'm here with Kat Kiekel from Cherokee County Animal Shelter. She is the behavior tech and happens to be the VSPDT, which is a Victoria Still Positively dog trainer, um, she's the behavior tech here at Cherokee County Animal Shelter. And um, I'm very excited to, to be here today because not only are we picking up some kittens to adopt, which my daughter's also sitting here and she's very excited about. Uh, we're, um, we're here talking to Kat about what it's like during this pandemic working in a shelter and um, maybe get, she can give us some great ideas about how you can help shelters that are in need right now. So welcome, Kat, to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell me, what, tell me what it's been like for you, sort of on the front lines of animal rescue anyway, on an average day. How has life changed for you since the, the pandemic? Um, it has been stressful. It has been um, definitely something that we are taking day by day. Um, as protocols change and as things come down the line, you know, from president to governor to us, we have to change and adapt being a government facility. We have to do what's in the best interest of the public and the animals always. Um, so, yes, we still have to get animals adopted out. We still have to get animals taken in from owners as strays, you know, we're, we're a service for the public as well as, um, you know, who we already had in our care when all of this started. So it's been a lot, but we've, we've come to do new things and new protocols and stuff that we're going to actually keep in place now that we had thought about before and we just had now an excuse to implement and we see that it's working great, so we're going to keep it going. Can you give me an example of maybe some new protocols that you put you put into place? So we're actually going to do um, intake by appointment for owner surrenders. So obviously not strays, those animals. It's you never know when you're going to go find an animal on the side of the road that needs your help. Uh, animal control, things like that. However, owner surrenders who we know are, I need to get have my animal placed in a facility um, or scheduling them to come in. Uh, we're not scheduling them the same day, so we are being a little bit more strict as well because we want to see if we can help them keep their animal. We're implementing protocols for do they need training? Do you need a place to stay? Is it something we need to contact like the Ahisma house because you're in a domestic violence situation? How can we help you and your animal stay together versus just separating you? Um, and that's something that we're really trying to push because we would like them to stay with their, home, with their owner. So different things like that, we're trying to make a whole page on our on our 
website, as well as trying to talk people through it over the phone before they're even here uh, to bring the animal in. And then as, once they get here, we're having them also have a whole information form that the owners filled out. So we have more information. Before, it was word of mouth. When they got here, they were stressed. They were crying. Oh, he loves it when he cuddles on the couch with me, or he really loves this brand of Little Caesars dog food. But it was something that was just what ver verbal. Now it's going to be all written and in our system as well. So we're going to keep that information with that animal as it processes through us. What was it like to you, sort of rewinding back to the very beginning of the pandemic, when it became clear that people were going to be going into quarantine, social distancing was coming? And look, what? What happened in your shelter? Because we hear on the news, and of course, being in the rescue world as well, I hear a lot, a lot of people as well getting very, uh, you know, being amazed at the amount of help that they had, that animals were just getting adopted and fostered like crazy. Was that the same here? Well, thankfully, we were already low on adoptions, or I mean, uh, on intake. Um, we Our adoptions were going so quickly before, so this, spurred us even further um, into people's front mind of, hey, I want an animal. So we have been consistently empty. Um, people are contacting us during the week, Tuesday, do you have any kittens? Do you have any animals? And then we have to direct them, no, check our Facebook page. Friday evening at 5.30, that's when we'll post the pictures. You can make an appointment to come and see them because we're doing everything by appointment as well to come in and view the animals. Um, and we'll be, have them come in Saturday, they do the adoption if they want, if they like that animal, obviously have a connection. We're emptying every Saturday, the animals that we've had available. So every Saturday we don't have anything left over for that next week, we have to start this whole cycle again. So it's been stressful as far as managing all of this new uh, system and social distancing when they're in the building and how many people can be in the building at the same time. And then we've gotten to where it's like a, NASCAR pit where as soon as that adoption has left the building we're sanitizing right behind where those people were for the next customer to come in so it's it's been a lot. How, how long do you think that you will be doing this at your shelter? I mean how long do you think it's going to the protocols that you put into place will carry on not just the ones that you're deciding to continue with? Right. Um, I think it's going to be in phases so according to the director and whatnot as far as our management they have to open up we have to open quote unquote up back in phases so it has to be certain amount of time certain amount of uh, weeks and things that we've been clear from the last case of exposure um, so it, we're looking at probably a little quite some time before we're open back up to quote unquote normal um, but we're probably going to continue to be super critical as far as cleanliness I can tell you from personal experience as well as seeing the other staff, we're all hyper vigilant um, when people come in and making sure that we're super sanitized uh, just because we know now how, how contagious everything really is. And even as far as to go as not handling the animals as much because they're a fomite. So it's something a lot of people don't think about, but we have to be careful even cleaning their cages handling the animals with gloves, making sure that yes, they're getting physical contact and we're giving them as much affection as we can, but keeping our distance. That way when the customer comes in, we know that that animal wasn't just rubbed all over our body and now gonna be rubbed all over somebody else's. So it's, it's little things like that that people don't even think about that we're trying to take every little precaution possible.
keep everybody safe. Can you explain to me what a fomite is? <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain for yes. people out there who don't know what you're yes. talking about with that word? So it's a teeny tiny microscopic particle of germ that is, in this case, something like this virus on us or the flu that passes from animal to people just on surfaces. So the fur, your skin, um, any surface like that. And it, in some cases, you know, things like parvo lasts in the ground for many, many years. So we want to be careful of what things touch and how they are contaminated. We want to be careful, even with the animal's fur, which people don't think about. Um, now, there's been talk about animals, cats transmitting it, or you can get it from your dog. What's, what's the sort of the latest on that? According to our sources, which is going to be, um, you know, any of the sheltering community information or um, the vets stuff, we're not concerned about it at this time. We're keeping our distance, but it seems to be its own strain. Um, I would definitely look into more research, but we're not worried here just because we're being, t we're still taking our precautions with them. Um, yeah, I think that's important for people to know is that, you know, even though there's been a little research and maybe some animals, definitely there has been some in China, there's been some, um, uh, the cats at the Bronx Zoo, and mm -hmm. there's been some incidences of transmission. I think there was a pug uh, in, I don't know whether it was China or here in the States, and so please don't quote me on that. but that they had tested positive for coronavirus, but um, but you can still hug your own pets and stuff, please. You can still do and hang out with your own pets. You're gonna be okay. But it is, it is, it is, you have to be careful of other people touching your pets because of those fomites, isn't it? That's really, that's really the way that yeah. it could be transmitted, right? Yeah, so. so even like my personal dogs, I take them for a walk in the morning. I'm asking, please don't touch them. You know, you have people, oh, can I pet your puppy? No, I'm so sorry. I just want to be careful of germs right now. You know, maybe when all this is over. <laughs> but um, you know, my um, friends—he's—they just got a new puppy. Everybody wants to touch him through the window of the car when they're going to Home Depot, and they're like, "No, please don't. I—I'm susceptible. You know, she has—she um, had just been treatment through cancer, and she really needed to make sure that her immune system is not compromised. So it's just little things like that that people don't realize." Now you're um, a you know you're the behavior tech here. What are some of the the difficulties that you have just on a general day, not even linked to the virus, but just you know, or or what if, if somebody was interested in having your job? What kind of what what do you do? What are the challenges? What do you do, and what are the challenges you have? Oh wow, um, my biggest job is to make sure that all of these animals, whether it's cat or dog, are as mentally healthy and happy as they can be. Um, they need to, they're not in a home and they're gonna obviously suffer from that. You know, it's just like if one of us were in jail and we're our solitary confinement, they mentally deteriorate. So my job is to make sure that we have enrichment programs, that we have, um, games and social time and activity and play group and walks, uh, working with volunteers on that structure to make sure that they have a part in it as well. Um, obviously, with not having access to volunteers, the staff has had to take on a lot of that. 
but um, thankfully we don't have any dogs available for adoption right now. We're waiting until Friday before we even know what we're going to have available. So trying to keep them happy, making sure the cats have their programs as well, because we get in cats all the time that don't like other cats. It's a very popular uh, thing for, for some of these cats. They've lived in single cat households. So making sure they get this proper stimulation that they need, eating in play toys and um, slow feeders and things like that to keep them enriched. And then problem canines, the dogs that come in that are um, adolescent teenagers that need help to figure out where they need to go in life. They're the ones jumping around. Maybe they're a little bit more mouthy. They've maybe lived in the backyard and they weren't actually properly socialized. So working with those to make sure that they have a better chance. Um, we do that with different training and, and things like that. And then um, we do do a basic behavior evaluation. Um, nothing super strict. Just to see what home would be the best place for you. Do you like kids? Are you going to be okay with loud noises, or are you more comfortable being in a single family home? Do you like other dogs? Do you not like other dogs? Seeing how that is. So there are some times where I'm, I come to our intake department to see different behaviors that may our staff may be having a hard time to um, understand. So maybe they're having a hard time, you know, is this dog doing this? I feel like maybe he's doing that, and I'll come down and, and review with them what's going on, just consult. Um, obviously, because I can't do everything and be everywhere. Um, now you've been in, you've been doing this for many, many years now. Yes. You started off quite young because I met you a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, I did my first puppy mill bust with Cherokee County because you guys were on the front lines when it came to a puppy mill that was located relatively close to here that was discovered and that you did the most amazing thing where you took all of the animals in the shelter, into the shelter. We did. That was incredible. How many animals did we end up taking in? Uh, our total after birth, because so as we were taking animals, they were giving birth. I think our grand total ended up being 450, so 450 dogs. Um, and I think 18 of those were rabbits. There was a, a cage full of rabbits. It was amazing. And then um, you did such an incredible job helping them with all the medical issues that they had, helping them get adopted. And so we had a great adopt-a-thon. It was amazing. And then a year later, having families come back with their puppy mill rescues. And a year later, these amazing dogs that had blossomed so much. Um, what do you see? Do you see that there are less puppy mills now? Do you still see that there, there's still a problem? Like, that was, gosh, how many years ago? Six years ago? Yeah, about five and a half, six. Oh, five, okay, so how, what, what, has it changed around here? Has it changed here in the state of Georgia, or is it still like mm, it was? I don't think so, no. Um, you know, unfortunately, people hide really well. They market really well. Um, we're still finding locally suspicious activity that we have to are looking into um, because unfortunately people aren't educated enough about proper purchasing of a pet um, as well as some people were raised that this is normal activity it's normal to breed puppies and have them 
have two, three litters a year and sell them in the backyard, you know, those kinds of things. It's, it's quote unquote normal. So we're still having a, a learning curve. I, I think we're making a difference for sure. I think it's just going to unfortunately take a lot of time. Where do you see yourself in five years time? Um, probably still here, um, helping locally with my community um with the shelter but i definitely want to grow um outside of the shelter as well and branch out and help as many people as i can outside of the shelter so with my own personal business um having low-cost training options for the people in the demographic that it's their last chance they still want to keep fluffy but fluffy just has this issue and they don't know how to help it and they can't afford a trainer um this would be their last option. I want to help those people in those kinds of communities. So that's my my personal goal is to really keep keep animals, dog or cat, where they are loved and not here. So not only are you working at the shelter, but you're going into people's homes after animals have been adopted and helping those dogs stay in homes. Correct. So through the shelter, we offer the service that they get free training with every adoption for that animal's life. So if the animal is able to come to the facility and we can work here if the animal and the people are comfortable, we do that. Um, but for instance, today I had a dog who was unfortunately an under-socialized puppy who was adopted from here. He missed the critical socialization window of eight weeks and is now exhibiting some fear aggression issues. So I recommended I come out to the house if they were comfortable during this time doing social distancing and work with them to see if it was going to be a fit for the family if they were willing to do this and keep him. So we'll see how they feel with the with what's happened, but um, there, that's the kinds of things that I really want to do is help those people who are unsure. Um, so I do that with the shelter, but then I also do it um, organically on my own, with, not affiliated with the shelter, to make sure that everybody has the opportunity um, to get training, to get get help with their animal. Now, for anybody who's fostering like we are. Do you have any tips, let's say fostering dogs, because I mean, we're, we're getting kittens, but any sort of first things, what do you do? You foster a dog, you get it to your home, now what do you do? Oh, well, let them have time. So a lot of people, they get the puppy home and or the dog home, and oh, it's so I'm going to show them this, and I want to show them the bed, and I want to show them the yard, we're going to go on a walk, and we're going to do all this fun stuff. But sometimes they need time. They need to come in and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, in our environment here, we come in and we're we come in, we clean, feed, medicate. We're go go go. They are awake for the whole eight hours that we're here working, and then we close and we turn off the lights and we leave. And they don't have a real rest. They aren't able to just take that moment and breathe. So when you have the opportunity to take that animal home and give them a moment and a break to breathe and take a nap and sleep and relax, that is what they need first. And then go to do the fun stuff and the more exciting things and start working with them on a new training um, plan. Or if you have a litter of puppies working on socialization and um play things and enrichment activities that they can be doing at a young age. 
uh, that would be my recommendation because a lot of people don't realize that they just need a nap. <laughs> they just need to sleep. That's so true. You know, um, we do find that a lot of behavioral issues are actually, you know, obviously one of the things that we look at first as behavior experts, we look at uh, if a dog might be experiencing pain somewhere. The other thing that I think is just as important is, is the dog getting enough sleep? Is the dog getting, having that time to have its own space and sleep? Because you know how moody you get. I know how moody I get when I don't sleep. And, um, and, and I think that's critical. And I think that's one of the things that people don't really get um, is that the animal needs to have some sleep. So when we get these kittens back home, we hang out with them for a little bit because same with same with these cats as well we're going to make sure that they have plenty of time to sleep and of course the little ones the little puppies the little kittens they're going to need more time than than, than adults but um i have one last question could you just give me maybe a couple of ideas of enrichment things that people can do at home with their dogs oh with dogs uh my favorite is ice pucks so you take a bucket, you take an old muffin tin, you put treats, your favorite, you know, your dog's favorite treats, or even something that's appropriate that they could eat, like carrots if it's available. Fill it with water and plop it in the freezer. Pop them out when they're frozen and give them that. That's a super fun, stimulating toy that they, number one, can eat, and number two, there's not a lot of cleanup. It's easy and it's cheap. So that's my one of my favorite, favorite ones. Um, and then probably my second one is a nose work game, something where they can hunt and, and um, play with boxes. Just get a cardboard box, put treats in it, and let them be able to um, try to rip that box open and hunt. And that's another cheap and easy. We're all ordering off of Amazon boxes right now, so that's something that we can use. Fantastic. Kat Geekle, thank you so much for joining me. Um, absolutely brilliant. And thank you so much for all the work that you do rescuing animals and also helping people and keep those animals in the homes keep the dogs especially in the homes that they go to so um guys we've had uh, this has been a great podcast and um, for all of those of you who attended the dog behavior conference last weekend we really had the most incredible time we had it was very successful we had no technical issues which i was so relieved about the first time doing it on zoom you know ooh. And we had so many people. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So it was absolutely wonderful. And the speakers were incredible. And just to let you know, we are going to be doing another one. We're going to be doing another one very soon. So just keep an eye out and keep listening to these podcasts and you'll get updates. I want to tell everybody, please stay safe and stay healthy. Practice your social distancing. Take care of your pets. Take care of yourself. And I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.